it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Revson and Anthony Aaron, all conference games all the time. We are into the news right. of the season. Been waiting on this. Been yes. waiting on this. I'm sleep deprived with good reason. Breaking down the film on all these teams, preparing for this point in the season. We are finally here. We are finally here, and we've already learned a lot. We got a lot more to learn, though, here coming up in the next few weeks. Uh, Pat Forty from SI joining us from Louisville as he does every week. Also the co-host of the always entertaining and occasionally informative college football <laughs> inquirer. Hello, Pat. Hey, how you guys doing? It's almost, you said October, a little frost on the pumpkins, little mm. breath in the air, football time. I'm, I'm ready. Bring yep. it on. We, we are ready. So let's get right into it and let's get into <clears throat> our big story, shall we? And, and the big story is looking ahead to the weekend, a slate that includes a championship game rematch. It'll be the fourth time that the teams that met in the championship game Meet the next year with the defending champ, as you can see, going one and two. Just the second time in the East-West format. The other two happened in the Legends and Leaders era. Michigan, of course, won 42-3 to last year in Indy. So they will try to make it two in a row against the Hawkeyes. Let's break this game down a little bit. Let's start when Michigan has the ball. And th- this feels like, obviously, this is Iowa's strong suit. Mm-hmm. The defense going up against that Wolverines offense. How do you see that matchup, most important components of that matchup? Well, for for J.J. McCarthy, as as a guy starting a game on the road for the first time, this is quite an environment he's going to be thrust into to start for the first time here. And I think the the way that Jim Harbaugh and his staff manage that is going to be really key in this game because you don't want to curtail the playmaking ability of J.J. McCarthy and of these skill position guys that I've been, you know, sort of lording throughout the offseason and getting into this stretch. And we've seen their potential there. We've also seen, though, that McCarthy is still a very young starter at the position, still puts the ball in harm's way at times. And against this Hawkeye defense, you can just not afford to make too many mistakes because once you do, they not only take it away, they will score points for their squad. So it's a difficult balance for the Wolverines. Uh, He was fortunate, Pat. He got away with some stuff, frankly, against Maryland. And this isn't to take anything away from Maryland's defense because I think we all believe that it's improved, but a couple bounces went their way, made some bad decisions with guys in his face, still came out of it with great numbers, but I think to Anthony's point, you do that against Iowa, and it may be a different story. Absolutely. They will make you pay for risky uh, throws, uh, no doubt about it. Excellent secondary there. This, to me, is like Michigan has to embrace the grind of this game. Hmm. You're not going to have as many of the big explosive plays as you've had uh, you can't just chuck the ball around at will. You have to, first of all, face your first tough environment of the season. 
And secondly, play, play against somebody who's going to play a way that you're not accustomed to playing so far. It's going to be trench warfare. It's going to be punting. It's going to be field position. It's going to be a long, probably slow afternoon of football. And we'll see whether Michigan's ready to kind of shift gears a little bit and embrace that kind of game. And I think that because, Pat, we, we sort of we know Jim Harbaugh's personality pretty well at this point. We've seen him take other teams into Iowa City. And I think to your point, it's 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 not like we expect Michigan's going to go in there and try to outsmart Iowa. And, you know, they're, they're going to stand in the middle of the ring and try to slug it out with George Foreman. And so you have the strength of Michigan's football team as its offensive line versus the strength of the Iowa football team in its defensive line and all the players, you know, nine, ten deep sometimes that they can rotate through up front. But at certain points, they will need to ask J.J. McCarthy to make some plays. And I think we've at least seen him trying to play within himself, trying to show a level of control and patience. But there's not another defense in college football that will test your patience in the way that that Iowa defense will. They can rush the quarterback without blitzing. Their secondary can make plays on the ball like wide receivers. And so whenever it's in traffic, you are in jeopardy of having a turnover. That's going to be fun. I mean, this is clear strength against strength, right? Uh, Michigan is the highest scoring team in the country that has played four games in terms of points per game. And Iowa is the number one scoring defense in the country. No qualifiers necessary there. So you've got the best offense, the best defense going head to head. And, and I, I think your point, Anthony, is a really great one. And, and Pat, you know, I, I think this kind of accentuates what you were saying as well. It's not like Michigan isn't capable of grinding it out. I mean, this offensive line last year won the Joe Moore Award as the best in the nation. I think there's an argument to be made. They're equally as good, if not better, this year. They have a big time back, as we've seen in Blake Corum. So this is a team that can go toe-to-toe with a physical team. It's not just some explosive you know, two-minute drive kind of team. No, absolutely not. I mean, they, they, they can play that way. <clears throat> they did last year. I mean, they punched Iowa in the mouth in the Big Ten championship game. They punched Ohio State in the mouth. At the end of the season... You know, they were a, an incredibly physical run game team. So it's not uh, out of their skill set, so to speak. They don't have a son Haskins, but that's okay. But the way Blake Corum's been running, and they've got depth at that position as well, you know, they can play that way. It's just they are, they're just going to have to settle in and, and probably deal with the frustration of there's going to be some drives you're just not going anywhere. <laughs> and you're just going to have to kick, 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 and keep playing. Yeah, it's tough to run the ball against this Iowa team for sure. Uh, just over two yards per carry they are allowing. Let's flip it, Pat. Let's talk about when Iowa has the ball, which is something that we didn't really want to talk about much the first few <laughs> weeks of the year. It was kind of an virtualized situation. It feels like it is getting a little bit better. They are slightly healthier. Felt like they ran the ball just a bit better last week against Rutgers. It is still not an overpowering offense. But how do you see that matchup, Iowa's offense against Michigan State? Uh, yeah, I mean, that's interesting as well. You said they, I think Iowa made some progress last week in the running game. Because Rutgers, nobody had run on Rutgers. Uh, and for them to be able to get, I think it was 129 yards on the ground, that's progress there. Spencer Petras, you're at least, let's stop, you know, just making mistakes and missing easy throws. I think there's been a little bit of progress in that area. You're still not maybe making the big plays. You're... You're maybe still not hitting some things that you could, but don't make the bad plays. Don't make the mistakes. Don't hurt your team. That's that's Kirk Ferentz football 101 is don't hurt your own team. Make the other team beat you. And, and I think Iowa is getting closer to achieving that identity offensively. And what I find interesting a little bit as well is that it feels to me, Pat, like there was additional pressure 
on the Iowa offense opening up the season with those home games and some of the boo birds came out at times at Kinnick Stadium because these were opponents that that the Iowa fans felt like yeah the offense should overmatch them and now getting back to where perhaps Iowa fans are even more comfortable maybe the underdog role and knowing what Kinnick Stadium has meant to their team when yeah. top five squads come in there Jim Harbaugh even referenced it early in the week he just didn't do the less miles voice where dreams go to die but Hawkeye fans know that and so this environment and the pressure cooker that that provides I even think Iowa fans will recognize what that can mean for the opponent I wonder if Jim Harbaugh's even shared stories about his time there as a quarterback where he was trying to get the Iowa crowd to calm down and quiet down back in 85 in one of the biggest games of the college football season that year when Jim Harbaugh was the quarterback and Hawkeye fans recognize that I believe that there'll be maybe even more of a positive temperament towards their offense yeah that's interesting I mean they've certainly voiced their frustration yeah. this year with the offense you get it but they know that their biggest advantage going into this game can be them. <laughs> right. Right. Uh, five of the last six top five teams that have played at Kinnick have lost, and the one that won won on the last play of the game. Uh -huh. uh, that was Penn State. So th this is a really difficult environment that Michigan is walking into. Big opportunity for both teams. Yes. Both these squads, a huge opportunity for them. Uh, I think you could make the same argument for Maryland and Michigan State, maybe a little bit different tenor, maybe a little bit more urgency mm. for each one of those teams. I think Maryland got a little bit of confidence from the way they played against Michigan. Not a lot of people giving them a chance going into that game. You go into the big house and you end up leaving in a one-score game where you made some mistakes. And you could certainly point to a few moments in that game where you say, man, if it just would have gone a different way, we would have had a chance to, to win this thing at the end. For Michigan State, it feels a little different to me, Pat. I mean, they've gotten bludgeoned here the last couple of weeks. Does this, in your mind, kind of shape up as a must-win game for the Spartans? I think in terms of this season, it does. Uh, I mean, I think this is a huge gut check for them. I mean, they, as you said, they haven't just lost the last two games. They have been obliterated. They were blown out from the get-go by Washington, and it was even worse against Minnesota. So... This is time, though, that you got to circle the wagons and show something. Uh, Mel Tucker, you're being challenged right now. You've got to get your team ready to come back. There's a lot of season left to play, uh, and this is a game where everybody coming in on the, on the schedule said Michigan State should win this game. Uh, you got to show something here. They've got to find a way to stop a running game, to start their own running game, to protect their quarterback. There's a lot of things that have gone wrong, and mostly they just – this is an attitude game. you got to come out and show Michigan State has some pride, I think, right here. And for, for both of these squads where it's it, – now this weekend for several teams can kind of begin to write the story of their season and from Maryland's perspective and trying to, trying to determine. We, we saw last week one of those questions get answered where we were wondering, can they compete and, and go toe-to-toe -to -toe with the best teams on their schedule as opposed to just the squads we expect them to beat? They went toe-to-toe -to -toe with Michigan with some self-inflicted wounds in that game. Now, suddenly, this is a game that, as we've seen over the last couple of weeks, Maryland is, is the squad expected to win this game at home. How did they respond to that level of scrutiny, you know, sort of the harsh glare of expectation. And I love the tone that Mike Loxley set directly after that game at Michigan. There were no moral victories, no victory laps being taken after a defeat, but they're also a little bit beat up, a little bit banged yeah. up. Talia Tonga-Vailoa, we've been sort of watching him progressively emerge as the leader on that squad. He's banged up on the practice field, but banged up. Mike Loxley calling him day-to-day 
Love what I saw from Billy Edwards in some limited action there. So the Michael Oxley offense should still be good, especially against that Spartan secondary. But if you don't have your main leader, your signal caller, one of the most talented QBs in college football, then does that shake the confidence of the team? This to me is the biggest story of this game, Pat. I mean, we've seen Michigan State's defense. The numbers were just on the screen a moment ago. The last two games, they've just gotten run over and they gave up 24 plays of 10 yards or longer against Minnesota, which is just a staggering number. Maryland obviously is a really good offensive team. When Leah is healthy, it feels like his health. And, and as you mentioned, I mean, I, again, in that news conference yesterday, Mike Loxley kind of hedged mm-hmm. in, in terms of, you know, he's not going to show his cards as, as to whether or not Leah is healthy. But it really feels like to me, from Maryland's point of view, if he's healthy, they've got to feel really good about the situation here. Sure do. I mean, that's that's a bad matchup for Michigan State, given the state of the secondary and the state of the defense in general. Uh, yeah, if Leah Tungavailo is throwing and he's got guys on the outside catching, Rakeem Jarrett's another one. We'll see where his health is by by game time. Uh, but that's a that's an explosive big play offense against a defense that gives up big plays. So that's one where if if Maryland gets out of the gates quickly, hits some of those big plays, and Michigan State gets into oh no, here we go again. Uh, mentality, especially defensively, things could get ugly in a hurry. So it's really kind of two programs that are teetering, I think, right there. Maryland just waiting to break through. Michigan State trying not to break down. I really feel like Michigan State, there's more ground to cover in the secondary, guys. And if anywhere, the Spartans up front between Barrow and Winman and some of the guys they have on the interior of that defense, if they can make Maryland one-dimensional regardless of the quarterback, then not advantage Spartans, but at least it it allows you to be able to take the field with with some aggression and, and play downhill at your opponent if you stymie that Terrapin's rushing attack. This is a huge game for them because were they to lose this game, they have Ohio State next week. Right. And then you're essentially staring two and four in the face. Maryland, on the other hand, if you win this, next three, Purdue, Indiana, Northwestern, I mean, conceivably could go, on, could go yeah. on a roll a little bit there. So let's dive into that Illinois-Wisconsin game. You are going to be calling that game. Yeah. This is a fascinating game to me. How good is Illinois? I think that's a really big question. You get to measure yourself up against Wisconsin, who has been the measuring stick mm-hmm. more often than not in the West. And then you add in this dimension of Brett Bielema coming back to Madison. Oh, so you've yes. got, yes. There's that as yeah, well. I, did you guys know that? <laughs> I want to make sure that to me. you yes. touch on that during I the do. game. I'm glad. See, if you had been on the show, up. you may have not even known that. That's what we do on this show. We uh, well, yeah, yeah, breaking news stories. I mean, I, I do that. I think it's a fascinating game on a lot of levels. It is, without a doubt. And, you know, I, I got to talk to Brett Bielema this morning, actually, on Big Ten Radio. And, of course, as we sort of query about that, he's doing what he should be doing and sort of brushing that to the side. And While at the same time, you know, we, we all, I think, know at this point how important relationships are to Brett Bielema, recognizing that, but then also just stating the facts that on the field of play, none of that is going to end up mattering. His football team versus the Wisconsin football team, he and Paul Chris still very close friends. But yes, intrigue just drips all through this. And at the same time, the Badgers fans will now see this measuring stick of a, a former coach who was yes. there, whose team is playing right now more consistently, perhaps playing better than Wisconsin is at the moment. And that, even if it's just in the back of their minds, will be something that they're paying attention to at Camp Randall Stadium this weekend. But what's most intriguing is the fact that Brett Bielema, his squad is a little different than we historically think of Brett Bielema teams being. Yes, that the defense led by Ryan Walters is exceptional. It's fun to see them in person on Thursday night. But this offense, 
This isn't traditional Brett Bielema ball. We're seeing tempo. We're seeing players operating in space. We're seeing that now it's not only Isaiah Williams at wide receiver. Pat Bryant has emerged. He went out and got one of the better finds, apparently, in the transfer portal. And Tommy DeVito, the way he's... Every day, we rise, challenging ourselves to work for what we believe in. At U.S. Border Patrol, protecting our borders is more than a job. It's a calling. Agents answer the call, working together to keep our country and communities safe. If you are ready for a new mission, join U.S. Border Patrol and go beyond. Learn more at cbp.gov careers. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Starting to throw the football. This is a Bielema offense that's very different than we've seen in the past. No, I think that's what's really interesting, Pat, is and he mentioned after the game that this was the first time in Illinois history they had had two 100-yard receivers and one 100-yard rusher in the same game. And he was saying, you know, that was what we did pretty much every week at Wisconsin. <laughs> I think he was a little stunned that Illinois hadn't had that. But, but this is kind of a, a little bit of an evolution here. And give Brett Bielema some credit here because, you know, I, I would say maybe it was 200-yard rushers and 100-yard yeah, receivers. Yeah, the whole 300-yard passer thing right? was a little different. Right, but, but it does feel like he has evolved a little bit as the game has changed. And, man, this is a pretty good team, and it's complemented by, as Anthony said, a really good defense. Sure, yeah. Now, look, I, I, good coaches adapt and evolve, right? I mean, the game is changing and has been changing for a decade. If Brett Bielema were still coaching the way he did at early Arkansas and at Wisconsin, he'd be obsolete at this point. So you have to be able to diversify a little bit. You've got to be able to spread the field and throw it a bit while still having your calling card running game. Uh, and it's all working really, really well right now for, for Illinois. I mean, I, I love what they're putting together. And I am a big Ryan Walters fan, the defensive coordinator there. I think as we see jobs come open, his name should come up for some of them. Georgia Tech, possibly others, because he's a rising star. You look at that defense, man, and they've had a very good season. He's doing a great job there. Well, they've had an amazing year. I mean, they are fourth in the nation in scoring D. You look at Lovey Smith last year and a guy who was known for his defense. Sure. They were 97th. So, I mean, the, the jump that they have taken in just two years under Ryan Walters with a lot of similar personnel, it, it really tells you how good he has and been. Wisconsin's in a position where they're trying to make that transition offensively to become more versatile, maybe more explosive. Yeah. Offensive lines banged up, tight end position banged up as well. They're behind the eight ball. Graham Mertz has to be at his best on Saturday. Wisconsin was the preseason West favorite, at least according to the unofficial media poll. I don't think there are many people you would find right now who wouldn't say Minnesota is the favorite? They, yeah, are you, you wouldn't say that? Oh, no. I said it preseason. I said it preseason. Oh, yeah. I, I disagreed with the assembled media yes, and said well, the Gophers are the right, way to go. Pat anyway. yourself on the back. I, my shoulders don't work so well, but <laughs> feel free to do all it that, home for all me. All that time yes. in the NFL. I, yeah, I, you know, I don't want to invade your personal space. <laughs> right. Um, but, man, Minnesota, I, I think there were some questions going into last week. Mm -hmm. if, if there were some questions, just based on who they had played. Yeah. 
I don't think this is a great Michigan State team right now. In fact, I think Michigan State's teetering a, a little bit, mm-hmm. as we discussed. However, Minnesota absolutely annihilated them. This team is really, really good. In every phase. You know, not just that Gophers rushing attack and Muhammad Ibrahim and that mammoth offensive line. Tanner Morgan is back to 2019 Tanner Morgan. There, there's a confidence. There's a decisiveness. There, there's an accuracy associated with all those things that I just referenced in his game. And even without Crab, without Chris Altman Bell, and he's probably going to become Coach Crab at some point, just like Muhammad Ibrahim became Coach Mo last year. But they're still deep and talented at wide receiver regardless of that. And, of course, this Gophers defense and what Joe Rossi brings to the table has Minnesota as positioned to, to be versatile, to be, you know, to affect the game in every phase in a way that no one else in the West that we could presume could. That was why I picked them preseason and why I said P.J. Flex is going to be the coach of the Union Conference and everything else. So at the moment, I'm going to injure myself, patting myself <laughs> on the back because it's playing out exactly as I anticipated coming in. No, they're, they're really good. I don't think there's any question about it. You know, the issue is do you avoid a stumble here. I think if you were looking yeah. at teams that people thought potentially could break through in the West, Purdue was clearly at the top of the list. Right. Or Minnesota was at the top of the list, I should say. Purdue was next, Pat. They were the other team. They were much better on defense a year ago. Aiden O'Connell became this revelation as one of the top and most accurate quarterbacks in the country. But now he is banged up. They barely beat FAU without him. What do you see in terms of their chances of success here against Minnesota? Well, I mean, we've seen Jeff Brom pull some things out as an underdog. We've seen him, you know, rally a team that sometimes looked like it was going off the rails. And within a week or two, all of a sudden they're playing well and pulling pulling off some surprising things, but this is a tall order. Uh, as you said, if O'Connell isn't playing, uh, that's that's a major, major issue right there. Uh, as you said, they, they were they were fortunate to get past Florida Atlantic, and they gave away the game to, South, uh, to Syracuse, I'm sorry. Uh, they somewhat gave away the season opener against Penn State, so it's a team that's got to stop beating itself and find a way to win on the road against a really good opponent. I'm not quite ready to pat Anthony on the back for the preseason call yet. It's heading that way. It's heading in the right direction. But please, play somebody, because I'm not convinced Michigan State is uh-huh. getting it done at this point as a quality opponent. Everybody they play, they are dominating. Yeah, I mean, they are just, just wiping the mat crushing. with every opponent. And if they keep this type of focus, that was their big bugaboo last season, was Bowling Green, Illinois yes. teams they should have defeated coming yes. off big wins. They weren't able to do that. They've got to maintain their focus. That's why I say you can't stumble along the way. The, the guy who was over Anthony's shoulder, Tanner Morgan, what a story he's been, Pat. And I know you want to talk a little bit about his resurgence in combination with Kirk Shiraka. I mean, it's amazing the influence that a coordinator can have on a quarterback. And this is exhibit A. Absolutely. You know what? I mean, he was, he was very, very good in 2019. He was also thrown to a couple NFL receivers. But still, Tanner Morgan looked great. Kirk Shiraka was the offensive coordinator. Kirk Shiraka leaves. Tanner Morgan struggles in 2020 and 2021. Also some other things. I mean, his father, tragic illness as well. You know, it was not an easy two years. Pandemic, all those things combined. But this year, Chirac is back. Tanner's back. Uh, It's a remarkable synergy those two seem to have. Deep balls look great. Big plays. Just general command of the offense. Uh, Really an impressive young man who just seems to thrive when Kirk Chirac is in his ear every day in practice and they're working together on what that offense should do. The fourth in the nation in passing efficiency. He was fourth in the nation in passing efficiency in 2019 as hmm. well. Last year he was eighth in the Big Ten. Oh. 
I mean, it's just, it is remarkable, it really is. Uh, the influence. Now, we'll see how he can do without Chris Hotman-Bell, as you said. Okay. That, that's big, and, and there will certainly be far more challenging games than what they've played to this point. Back on Big Ten today, we have wondered how legit Penn State is. We will know by the time October is done. Northwestern this week, then a bye. But then look at the next three weeks after that. They play the other three ranked Big Ten teams in succession. Michigan, Minnesota, Ohio State. Pat, this is a huge month for the Nittany Lions. Oh, fascinating. It really is. I mean, it sets up very well for them going in. We'll see if they then can deliver. Uh, Northwestern should be a win at home. Then you get the week to rest up, prep up for that big Michigan game. But three unbeaten teams in a row right there. You know, if at th- this point last year, Penn State maybe wasn't dazzling, but they were undefeated. They hit that roadblock at Iowa, and they weren't the same after that. We'll see if this team is ready to sustain this early start and keep going. There's really, I mean... They're a solid team across the board. There's a lot to like about Penn State. They don't have anything that just jumps out and says, oh, my gosh, they're unbelievably great at X, Y, or Z, but they're good at everything, and that's a pretty good baseline to go with. I don't know that there's another team in the Big Ten that's had a more difficult schedule to open the season with either, and so they've been able to survive to this point. You think about multiple games that have been on the road in super hostile atmospheres also to pull through that. So now – that may be a little bit of a respite by comparison to the rest of the schedule that we saw earlier in the year before things really pick up. And for Penn State to have been tested in the way that they have, that should, in theory, if used correctly, pay dividends once you really start getting back into the meat of your schedule. Absolutely, and they are really good. I think we all agree they're really good and, and to your point, have played a tougher slate than a lot of other teams. You still can't get past that, or I can't. You know, 2-13 and 13 against top 10 teams for James Franklin at Penn State. I don't think it's unreasonable to suggest all three of those games could end up being against top 10 teams. Right. Because Minnesota certainly could be in the top 10. If you look at their schedule, they absolutely could be undefeated at that point. And so this is a chance to end that narrative once and for all, right, this year. If you can win a couple of those games and still put yourself in a position where you go into November, let's say, with at worst one loss – I think you push all that aside and you don't talk about it again. And, you know, it could erase that narrative from James Franklin. Could it, it at least, you know, expunge that part of the resume for Sean Clifford as well as we saw him begin to do earlier this season? And a healthy Sean Clifford has been an excellent Sean Clifford throughout his career. And so as long as that run game can assist in keeping him upright, then maybe he turns into that, that sort of Trace McSorley, you know, vibe where we saw McSorley really ascend by the end of his career. And this can be just that next iteration, that next generation of great quarterback for Penn State who now has those big wins on his resume. Let's jump into Ohio State. Obviously, their biggest game every year is at the end of the year, trying to position themselves to, to be ready for that Michigan game and to have that Michigan game be the one that determines whether or not they go to Indianapolis. That Michigan State game looked a little more daunting, I would say, at the mm. beginning of the year right. than it does now, but still Iowa at home and at Penn State. Again, it's hard not to circle the, the Penn State game as, as just an enormous one. Pat, going to Happy Valley, you know the crowd's going to be incredibly fired up for that one. But what stands out as you look at Ohio State's October schedule? Yeah, I mean, that's it. Obviously, backloaded there. Uh, the Iowa game could at least be a challenge for a team that loves to rip off big chunk plays, uh, similar to what Michigan could be looking at this weekend. You know, you're just that's, that's a different kind of game you're probably going to have to play. But the Penn State game, 
on the road, Happy Valley. They have given some Ohio State some some troubles there. They haven't beaten them a lot recently, but uh, during Urban Meyer's time, that was a tough place to play. We'll see how Ryan Day does this time going in there. Uh, looking at way ahead, but the matchup of those Ohio State receivers in that passing game against the Penn State secondary, Joey Porter Jr., hey, that could be a lot of fun to watch. I agree, and not even looking past this Rutgers game this week, I, I find intriguing, Pat, because of the fact that Rutgers' defense, especially against the run, has been exceptional for the most part this season. And Ohio State, you know, I, I think we see that there's more balance that's within just the framework of the offense and more willingness to consistently call run plays. And even Wisconsin couldn't necessarily stymie them to a large extent. Now as they're getting deeper into conference play here, who does Ohio State really believe they are? C.J. Stroud, the receivers, the tight end position now emerging for them. That's what certainly can score plenty of touchdowns, but in Big Ten play with the weather changing, the balance that we've seen so far, will they sustain that? That's what I believe can lead Ohio State to its highest heights as opposed to just saying we're going to go, we're going to sling it around. Is this really who the new Buckeyes are with this balanced approach on offense? Well, it seems like it. I mean, they've run the ball 25 more times than they have thrown it at this juncture. Now, they've had some really big leads, Pat, but just as a measure of comparison, they had a lot of big leads last year, too, and they ended up throwing it about 71, I think it was, more times than they ran it. This is a genuine two-headed monster at running back with Travion Henderson and Mayan Williams, and it does feel like at least early on here, more of a concerted effort to run the ball. And again, some of that might be Jackson Smith and Jigba has been out of the lineup for the bulk of the season as well. Yeah, that's a factor for sure. But I do think this is this is a priority with Ryan Day. It has been since the end of last season. He talked about it in July at Big Ten Media Days when we were all there, uh, being a more physical team, being a more balanced team offensively. And, I mean, I I was there when they played Notre Dame, and he was so tickled afterwards at the way they finished that game, just pounding it out on the ground. So I think this is what he wants to see. And to Anthony's point about when the weather starts changing and maybe you just can't throw it 40, 50 times a game, you're going to have to run it 50 times. He wants to make sure he has the team to do it, and I think they've built enough confidence in themselves as a physical offensive football team that they, they bring that with them here in the latter stages of the season. And we'll see which offense on that, uh, on that October schedule can truly test the Ohio State defense as well because up until now, the best offenses they're going to face this season are going to be on the back end of it. They have been so good in conference play under Ryan Day. They're now 24-1, and average margin of victory, 32 points. So we were all exclaiming with what happened against Wisconsin. That's just an average Big Ten game. <laughs> That's what they do against Ryan Day. Uh, finally, we do not want to shortchange the Michigan Wolverines. I think as you look at their October schedule, not all that dissimilar, frankly, from what we just looked at with Ohio State. The difference is, obviously, the big game against Iowa coming up this weekend that we talked about, but they get Penn State at home. So a little bit different there in terms of not having that dynamic of having to go to Happy Valley. But what do you see when you see that schedule? Man, Michigan's got a lot of home games on their schedule this season. That that (laughs) plays out pretty well for them also. But when you think about this week's game against Iowa, where it does feel like that's full-on slugfest, then you travel – to Bloomington, and, you know, that won't have as much of a slugfest sort of vibe to it. And the Indiana offense that wants to go up tempo and, and what they've done in bringing in Walt Bell and how that balances with Tom Allen's attacking style on defense, stylistically, the next few opponents that Michigan has to face will test them schematically 
in different ways and new coordinators on each side of the ball for Jim Harbaugh. The game plan that the coaching staff puts together, I believe will play a big role in how how well they play, how organized they look out there, because it's not like they're at a portion of the schedule where you're going to see the same things and the same brand of personnel over and over again. So your game plan has to suit the opponent and the environment you face. And you know that every Michigan fan, every Ohio State fan looks at those October schedules and just says, well, this is a precursor yeah, right. to November. And again, important to remember the game this year is in Columbus, Pat, when Michigan and Ohio State square off. But what about what's in between now and then for Michigan, what you saw there for October? Uh, I say just don't overlook the Indiana game. Obviously, mm. Iowa this weekend going to be a big-time affair. I will be there for that game. I'm looking forward Ooh. to it. And then Penn State is after that. Don't overlook the trap game in the middle on the road. Successive road games. If you remember last year, guys, Michigan went into Wisconsin, and that was the big, okay, we're going to see what Michigan's about. They're finally going to go on the road. How are they going to do? They won and played great and all the hosannas started coming in. <laughs> then they go to Nebraska and darn near lost yeah. that next game, next road game. So this is a similar sort of scenario potentially for the Indiana game. Uh, Jim Harbaugh is very good at getting his team prepared. They don't mail in games, but that's the one to watch out for for me. It's just a potential trap game. I'll tell you the other one I think about on their schedule is a potential trap game. The week before they play Ohio State, they play Illinois. Good call. Yeah. Yeah. That could be a real tough one. Again, we're looking way far ahead. You have no idea who's going to be healthy, what the records are going to be. But looking at that one, it's like, eh, it's, you know, that's one you, you, you could overlook. I would hit the fast forward on the remote. Probably like should. That. It is time for our big stat. Iowa and Minnesota have each allowed 10 or fewer points in each of their first four games. If either can pull it off in their first five, they would be the first Big Ten team to do so since Wisconsin in 2004. That was a team that started 9-0. and the Big Ten last had two teams accomplish that in 1973. It was, in fact, the last time any conference has had that happen. Had two different teams pull that off in the first five games of the year. It's a league with four of the top seven scoring defenses in the country. Really, really good defensive league. It just feels like it's ripe for an impact five, Anthony. I could not agree more, good. David. And we will begin the impact five on a – in a, in a region of the country that had prided itself on being linebacker you for so many generations here. And I think Penn State and their fan base has really benefited from not just being linebacker you anymore. We are seeing excellence on the defensive front in State College. We are seeing excellence on the back end, especially in that secondary. I mean, Pat mentioned Joey Porter Jr. earlier in the show, Jair Brown, other playmakers who are taking the ball away from opponents, getting pass deflections, getting takeaways, and Anthony Poindexter, who has been in line for some head coaching opportunities here, he's done an exceptional job with that secondary in Manny Diaz's defense. And I just love the, the attacking style that's there that really seems to suit the temperament that they play the game with. And so when you're going to have an attacking style schematically, you need players who play with an attack mentality, and Penn State certainly does. They have 41 PBUs this year. Okay, so what's some context on that? Not only is that the most in the country. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. 
Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. It is the most in the country by 16. They've broken up 16 more passes than any yeah. other team in the country. It almost seems unfathomable. Okay, so that's number five. Where are you going with number four? Well, this is a team that I, I think if their offense hadn't been so exceptional, I'd even have the Minnesota Golden Gophers higher than number four. I do feel like the way they operate on offense, the time of possession, the limited snaps that that defense has to play, it enhances the way that Minnesota operates on that side of the football. So it's almost like I'm dinging their defense because their <laughs> offense plays to their strengths so much. But that being said, when you're talking about every level of a defense that's cohesive, that's where Joe Rossi, the teacher, really shows through because they will show you a variety of looks, but they are so sound in everything they do. Minnesota tackles so well, and they swarm the football at a variety of levels in a way that does have this sort of vice-like approach to the opponent where you know you're going to have limited opportunities, and so the offense tends to press when they're facing that Minnesota D, and that's where the pass rush can come through and the takeaway ability of that secondary can really show. That's a fair point. I would have them higher. I mean, I think they're better than that, but I do understand your point. They haven't been on the field very much. I mean, it's such a well-constructed team in that it makes sense, Mm -hmm. right? Like what they do on offense marries so well to what they do on defense, and man, they are good at it. Okay, so they're number four. Maybe slightly in dispute. Uh, who do you have at number three? I, I think it's a, it's a fair delineation, but I would say this. From a personnel perspective, Michigan, you know, because statistically, they're, they're a squad who their defense statistically is exceptional in some areas, growing in other areas. But when you're talking attack, when you're talking violence for the way the game is played on defense, we've seen plenty of that from the Wolverines here. And when you have new coordinators on each side of the ball, you're never really certain how a team will end up responding. But it is an offense that's become more versatile, and this Michigan defense has shown versatility. Maybe still a good amount of man coverage, but some of these zone concepts that they run are operating at a really high level also. And they don't need to blitz to rush the quarterback. We weren't sure whether or not without Aiden Hutchinson, without David Ajabo, would they still be able to get after the quarterback. You were seeing mammoth individuals in two-point stances who turn the corner, who press the pocket. And I think that combination, that group rush mentality, keeps pressure on the opponent even when they don't add rushers. Right. Forced three sacks against Maryland, three turnovers as well. And and it felt like that kind of went hand-in-hand, right? Like, Leah made a few bad decisions. They cost them, and again, it was it was a function of the defense being in his face. So Michigan is at number three. Who do you have at number two? I, I just saw this team Thursday night, and I wasn't certain going in if I would see the Illini defense. I knew they'd been playing well, yeah. but how well? Man, I'll tell you, they, they got first-team all-Big Ten caliber players at every level of that defense, and, and Ryan Walters has them playing with a confidence that shows up snap after snap. They give you absolutely nothing. When they're running – Man concepts, they are blanketed in their coverage. When they go zone schemes, they rally with zone eyes, tackle the football with as much aggression as you could hope for any secondary to attack the football. And their leading tacklers are both interior defensive linemen. Johnny Newton, Keith Randolph, they fly all over the field and play with a verve, with an energy that every coach would turn on that film and say, that 
is how hard I want my defensive linemen to play. It's a credit to Ryan Walters, a credit to the, the, the tone, the culture that Brett Bielema has established there. This Illini defense is for real. They've held seven of their last nine opponents to 20 points or fewer. That is, it's remarkable mm -hmm. in this day and age in college football. And again, it's even more remarkable, as I said earlier, based on where they came from yeah. a couple of years ago. Okay, so given the list you have given me, uh, clearly number one is an Iowa City. I mean, shouldn't it be? Because it's a defense that's so deep up front on the D-line. Linebacker core, which, yes, they've suffered the loss of Justin Jacobs, but you've still got Jack Campbell and Seth Benson there on the back end. Emerging playmakers in the secondary as well. Even though Riley Moss hasn't had a pick six yet, you know what? Cooper DeGene can be the guy who gets the pick six. Kayvon Merriweather can be the one with the scoop and score. When you have a defense that just snap by snap can be as sound, as efficient, as effective as any defense in the country. And, oh, by the way, they can play offense for you, too. There's not another defense in the conference, not another defense in the country that combines those elements as well as the Hawkeyes. No, absolutely. A multiple defensive touchdowns, obviously, in that game against Rutgers. So that is the top five. Pat, we always give you a chance. I've already voiced a very minor objection as to where Minnesota <laughs> is placed. What's your take on the top five? I mean, I hate it when I can't disagree with Anthony, uh, but unfortunately, this is almost a bulletproof list. My quibble is your quibble, Dave, is that I would just I would probably put Minnesota ahead of Michigan. I'm not sure I'd put them ahead of Illinois. I, th I think I'd put Minnesota third, Michigan fourth there. Uh, Anthony's point, though, is a valid one that the way their offense inhales minutes and just shortens the game, uh, they haven't had to do that much defensively, but... I still just love what they're doing on that side of the ball. So that's about it. Iowa, look, they, they are far and away uh, the number one defense there. And as you said, they, they're darn near the number one offense on that team. So, <laughs> Guys, I hear you, and I, I hear what you're saying on Minnesota. Mm -hmm. uh, I, you know, I spend far too much time kind of pouring through all this stuff, on, yeah. particularly on Sundays, like kind of, you know, getting some nuggets and whatnot. And, and one thing that blew me away about Minnesota, Minnesota in four games, fellas, has given up six third down conversions <laughs> oh they've given up six wow. six for 42 i mean how that's incredible that's i mean illinois held an opponent to over 16 on third down in the game not i hear you, but this ago. is over four games right no right. I, and I again i'm not arguing illinois isn't great i'm just saying right. six i mean teams give that up in a half and win right. the game yeah I don't know. It's, it's remarkable. They're really good. If anyone forces their offense off the field more, more directly, then I'll, I'll, I'll pump them up even more. Right now, I'm waiting to see that combination. How much does the offense have to do with it? Wrapping things up on Big Ten today, here's where some individuals stand in key categories nationally. Blake Corum, Evan Hole, Jacoby Winman, all national leaders in the categories you see them there, while C.J. Stroud and Charlie Jones are tied for national leads. Stroud, the most decorated player on this list, entering the year as the reigning Big Ten Offensive Player of the Year. He was a Heisman finalist, of course, a year ago as well. Remember, Aiden Hutchinson finished second in the Heisman last year. Stroud finished fourth. Kenneth Walker finished sixth. So the Big Ten had three of the top six. But you still have to go back to 2006 hmm. since the Big Ten won its last Heisman in Troy Smith. Uh, it, it feels like C.J. Stroud has the best chance to do it this year. The position he plays, the statistics that go with it within the offense that he's in in Columbus, there's not a doubt that C.J. Stroud is amongst the favorites. He already was preseason, and now his performance during the regular season just continues to enhance the resume that's there. And then we'll see him. You know, that first game against Notre Dame, he didn't necessarily have the, the most huge statistical night, but he led his team to a victory, made some key throws, and now there'll be more and more 
Heisman moment type opportunities that await C.J. Stroud and the Buckeyes. So I think he's right there in the mix for it, Pat, maybe even the leader nationally. I would say he's the leader nationally. You know, you may put Hendon Hooker from Tennessee up there with him, but uh, for all the reasons you mentioned, he's he's having a phenomenal start of the year. And I think the other thing, when you factor in that Jackson Smith and Jigba really has been a non-factor so far, it makes his performance all the more impressive to get to this point. He is second in the nation in passing efficiency right now, Stroud is. What about Mo Ibrahim, Pat? I mean, here's a guy who is second in the nation in rushing. I think when you, when you think about what's the equation to win a Heisman, obviously you have to have a fabulous individual year, but your team has to be really good. I think we all agree Minnesota is very good and has the chance to have a season that everyone in the country is talking about. And also having a really good personal narrative helps. And Mo Ibrahim coming back from that Achilles injury that everyone saw, that was a game everyone in the country was watching the opening weekend last year against Ohio State. You put all that together, and, and it's pretty compelling. Checks a lot of boxes for sure. And I'll add one more that I know factors in for media. Fresh story, fresh narrative. Minnesota? Really? Minnesota's undefeated. Oh, okay, why? Oh, well, Mo Abraham, look what he's doing. So that only, I think, enhances his positioning. But undefeated, uh, performing extremely well, fresh, good storylines. There's a lot to like about him as a candidate. And I really, I think he's about the only running back at this point that I would factor in as a serious prime candidate. And when you look at just the highlight reel moments also, just kind of week after week, one of these rugby scrums that we see. And even when he's kind of one-on-one in a hole, tacklers start to fear Muhammad Ibrahim with good reason. Man, he just barrels through folks over and over again. So you need the highlight moments. There's no doubt there's games that remain on Minnesota's schedule where Heisman moments can await if he becomes one of these forces in the key games that are coming up. It is really hard to Pat's point for a running back to to pull this off. And so I I did want to bring up Blake Corum. I mean, what he did last week, you can do something similar to that every week. Obviously, you're you're Barry Sanders and you're going to be in in this discussion and, and probably win it. But I I do think he checks some boxes, too, just in terms of, first of all, smaller in stature. There have been a lot of people who have doubted him, and now he's in the spotlight for the first time in his career. He is on a really good team as well, and we've seen some highlight real moments for him, again, leading the nation in in rushing touchdowns. So a lot to like about Blake Corr, maybe a little bit. More of a long shot, but but a lot to like there, too. And, and emerging, though, and, and we've seen a lot of the Heisman winners just begin to emerge once we hit this point in the schedule. You know, at least a finalist, if not beyond that, if you continue to see this from Blake Corman. We know it's an offense that's going to be willing to feature him, especially without Donovan Edwards in the lineup. So right now, this weekend, when they go to Iowa City, that's going to be an opportunity. It was when Michigan State faced Michigan last year, and Kenneth Walker III sort of won that game for the Spartans. That's when the full-on Heisman discussion began for him. This could be that stage this weekend for Blake Corum, Pat. Yeah, no, that's a good point. This is a big opportunity for him there, and he was great last week. I think that schedule hurts him a little bit. Uh, the first three games, they didn't need him to do much, and he didn't. I mean, he had some plays, but he wasn't putting up big numbers. And so you look, it's like, you know, double digits, double digits, double digits, 240 rushing yards. <laughs> With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandslots.com. Are you feeling lucky? 
No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.